Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Aloha. The Hawaii FASD Action Group, a nonprofit organization focusing on FASD education, advocacy, and research in the state of Hawaii, will be having a virtual mini-conference series entitled FASD Trends and Applications. This virtual mini-conference will take place on September 9th, 16th, 23rd, and 30th from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time via Zoom. Speakers include Dr. Ira Chasnoff, Dan Dabowski, Miles Hemerich, and a state panel speaking about the trends and activities in Hawaii, giving feedback on what works, what doesn't, and a future vision. Please go to hawaiifasd.org to register by Monday, September 6th. Thank you and mahalo. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Ira Chasnoff in a follow-up conversation about guided growth. Dr. Ira Chasnoff is an award-winning researcher, author, lecturer, and he's the president of NTI Upstream and a professor of clinical pediatrics at the University of Illinois College of Medicine in Chicago. He is one of the nation's leading researchers in the field of child development and the effects of maternal alcohol and drug use on the newborn infant, child, and adolescent. His research projects include multiple studies of the long-term cognitive, behavioral, and educational developmental effects of prenatal exposure to alcohol, marijuana, and illicit drugs, strategies for screening pregnant women for substance abuse, the effects of birth outcome of prenatal treatment and counseling for pregnant women who misuse or abuse alcohol and other drugs, innovative treatment approaches for children affected by prenatal alcohol exposure or illicit drugs exposure, and effective policy development that benefits children, families, and society as a whole. Since 2002, Dr. Chasnov has been leading cutting-edge research into innovative treatment for children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and served as principal investigator for the development of a treatment intervention that has been recognized as an evidence-based model of therapy for children with FASD. Dr. Chasnov is the co-author of Guided Growth, Educational and Behavioral Interventions for Children and Teens with Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders and Early Trauma. The co-author of Guided Growth is Dr. Ronald J. Powell. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Chasnoff back on FASD Hope for a follow-up discussion about his book, Guided Growth. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so honored and thankful to have back on FASD Hope, 
Dr. Ira Chasnoff. We're having a follow-up discussion about guided growth. We had Dr. Chasnoff on FASD Hope back in January. I just told him it's the most downloaded episode we have because I think there are just so many aha moments in that episode that uh, listeners can just take away with them and, and, and learn from. So I'm so thrilled to have him back on the show. We're going to talk more about guided growth, especially since this episode is going to be released at the beginning of the school year. I had the privilege of being in Dr. Chasnoff's book club, which ends uh, in August. And the book club not only has been educational, but it's really been a resource. So I wanted Dr. Chasnoff to come back on the show to talk more about guided growth and especially how it can be a tool for parents as this new school year begins. So Dr. Ira Chasnoff, welcome back to FASD Hope. Thanks, Natalie. Good to be back. So let's give our listeners an update. Uh, in January, we, we introduced Guided Growth. You gave us just so many wonderful talking points and learning points from it. Let's talk about how it's been so widely received since our last conversation. Yeah, it's it's been very exciting. You know, when you start off on a project like this, uh, I usually try to, to ask my question, what's needed? Where is the gap? And most importantly, is there something we can do to bring science to families so that we can give them some ideas of things that work for their child? Uh, many of the families that have come to, that I've seen clinically, many of the children who present to us with such uh, complex issues uh, families are at a loss and many of them have hit the wall as to knowing where to turn. And then on top of that, as the children enter school, there are these unrealistic expectations often from the education community. And uh, so on top, of, on top of that, we see a lot of, of professionals piling on the families, uh, blaming them for the child's misbehaviors. And, uh, and not only blaming them, but also getting dismissed. So the most common things we hear, families have been told, don't worry, he's just a boy. Or the other thing they hear is, he's just a bad kid. And I think this goes beyond the issues of prenatal alcohol exposure. And more than once I've had a family call, come to me and we begin talking about the child. And these parents have been told that it's all because they're adoptive parents. And if they were real parents, they wouldn't be so nervous. And I've had one, more than one family come to me and say that. And uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. So I'm sorry, this is a long answer to your question, but uh, that's how we decide what we want to do. You know, where are the gaps? What can we do to support families? And yeah, it's been terrific. Uh, I was told by the publisher uh, just the other day that it's going into its second printing already. And um, we're, getting, we're getting mail and emails from all over the world. Uh, I, was re I just returned from overseas and uh, I did a program for adoptive parents overseas and uh, it was, it, the room was packed. Um, 
and you know, and families are just desperate for this information. So yeah, it's very fulfilling, and I'm very happy to see how well it has been accepted. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. And as a parent member of the FASD community, I thank you and Dr. Powell for filling this need because this is a book that, again, I know we had, I had shared with you back in January. I wish I had this book 10 years ago. So I'm so thankful that parents, especially of younger children that have an FASD or, or, or early childhood trauma, that they have this tool now and that this is a tool that they can take with them. And you can use it as your child gets older. It's not just, you know, for when they're little, it's something that I have found, you know, especially listening in on the, uh, the book club and participating in the book club. There are many things that we can apply now, you know, to our son who is a young adult. So it just is so rich in strategies and explaining the brain, which I think that we can never get enough of. I think right. that I think definitely you and Dr. Powell have filled the need with guided growth for parents and caregivers and especially teachers in the uh, community uh, working with children with FASD and, and early childhood trauma. So I had the privilege of participating in the monthly guided growth book club, which um, as this episode airs, will have ended. We learned so much in that book club. And not only was it great to hear you and Dr. Powell just elaborate and really go into depth, you know, about each chapter and, and the themes and the topics, but also to answer questions from the book club participants. Tell me, what were some of the reoccurring themes, questions, just things that you and Dr. Powell noticed that just kind of continuously came up. What were some things that you heard as the book club progressed? Well, by far the most frequent questions were related to behavior and how you manage behavior. And then as we got further into the book club sessions and talked about, you know, I like to... Uh, you heard on my last episode with you uh, that I like to think of, of the children's behaviors across three domains of functioning, executive functioning, self-regulation, and adaptive functioning. And um, I think once parents started catching on to that, their questions started becoming more specific and they could recognize, well, this difficulty is with self-regulation, so now how do I handle it? Uh, I think the other thing that emerged over time is they began, we, many of the questions showed is that our, our listeners were beginning to understand how the domains overlap and produce the clinical picture that you see. And that's really what we were trying to, to show. The second most important area after behavior was a lot of the frustration started spilling out and parents were, were coming up against a brick wall. Uh, I mentioned this before and they really didn't know where else to turn. And so many were asking, how do we educate our providers? How do we get physicians to listen to us? I think those were the two areas. And then the third area would be specific learning issues. And although this was looking at educational and behavioral interventions. The educational interventions are based in behaviors. And so how do, how do you incorporate uh, those interventions? 
And then it wasn't a question, but we had a lot of teachers write us to say, you know, before I listened to the book club, I thought I had to do special things in my classroom for my child, uh, for our child with FASD. And I simply don't have time. I have 30 children in the classroom. But now I realize that the kinds of teaching strategies I use for children with FASD are really good for all children and will help all children in the classroom learn. And so uh, what I was happy to see is that teachers, educators were coming to that realization on their own. So I, I think those were some of the issues that most commonly came up. Um, just seeing those questions specifically, like, uh, you know, why won't my child do this or why won't my teen won't do this and everything. But then as we further progressed in the club, those questions did become more specific. And I think people were starting to get the, oh, well, this is kind of related to this right. domain and this is related to this domain. So, and then by far the single most <laughs> frequent question, I forgot about this, is people were asking, how can we get a copy? So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so what we're doing is... <laughs> Gabe is in the process of cleaning up the recordings. And so you will be able to uh, obtain individual recordings or the whole package of recordings. And we hope by September, uh, don't hold me to that, maybe October, we will have them <laughs> ready for release. And so all you have to do is just check on our website uh, and then everybody that participated, you know, we have everybody's email list, so we'll send out at the announcement also. Uh, and those will be available because parents were writing us, I'd like to take this episode to my child's teacher. This is exactly what's going on. So that's terrific. As, as a monthly participant, I can say that those book club sessions and the discussions afterwards were just such a resource for me. And I know they were for so many other um, parents, teachers, caregivers. So that's wonderful. Thank you for, for making that information accessible. During the book club, Dr. Powell provided so much information and insight about trauma from lived experience and prenatal alcohol exposure, polysubstance exposure, and how trauma impacts the brain of a child, teen, young adult. Why is this so important for parents to understand and to make accommodations when they're helping their children learn and, um, and just develop strategies? Yeah, it, it, that was the other thing that people began to realize as we were going through the book club, that you can't really separate out trauma from prenatal alcohol exposure. Uh, my area of special interest is prenatal trauma not just the exposure to the drugs, but what's happening to the fetal environment. Because what the research now is showing, you do get changes in the structure and function of the brain, not, because, not just because of the alcohol exposure, but also a woman who is undergoing significant stress in the first three months after conception, you get changes in the genetic content of the developing fetuses cells. And this directly affects generations to come. That's called epigenetics. And that's a lot of the new information coming out. And it's extremely important because we're finding, especially people ask us now about the father's use. And the research is now showing epigenetic changes from men's use of alcohol 
that those epigenetic changes affect the DNA of his sperm. And that child is conceived with, with uh, sperm that have been affected that way. Um, and then certainly postnatal trauma takes it even a step further. And uh, I've worked a lot with Bruce Perry, and I'm sure many of you know Bruce's name. And uh, often he and I will do programs together and talk about prenatal and postnatal trauma. And one of our favorite things to do, we've done it a few times, is we just sit up on the stage. We don't do a presentation. We just sit up on the stage and audience members start asking us questions. And we each answer the questions from our own perspective. And I find it fascinating. And we go a whole day like that, just talking about. Uh, and uh, so you, you, can't, you can't get away from it. Uh, and of course, there I'm sure all of you know, postnatal trauma does can result in uh, structural and functional changes to the developing infant brain. And then the big issue, and quite honestly, I don't remember if I talked about this when I did your previous podcast, but we know that the kinds of, of changes that occur prenatally, especially if the mother uh, is using substances, the hormones in the brain, specifically oxytocin, uh, oxytocin development is inhibited in someone who's using drugs, you know, substances. And so, which results in the infants, not the fetus, not developing oxytocin, you know, uh, functioning uh, completely. So we get into all sorts of attachment issues because oxytocin is the uh, cuddle hormone. It's what makes us interact and feel good about interacting. And so you get real disruption of the maternal infant um, attachment. And um, now, and if I'm repeating something from the previous podcast, just stop me, but because <laughs> I don't remember. But what got me interested in this was I had so many adoptive families come to me when their child was like three years old or so, and they had no idea what was going on with the child. And we actually make a diagnosis. We rarely, we try not to make the diagnosis, but we would make diagnoses of attachment disorders. And we had families who literally knew that they were, you know, going to adopt the child that was being carried by this other woman, uh, were, you know, recorded their voices for the fetus to listen to, all those kinds of things. And literally some of the families, the, the adoptive mother caught the baby as the baby emerged from the womb. And still there was this problem with attachment. And of course, when there's a problem with attachment, the first thing anybody says was, well, obviously she's a bad mother because she didn't attach to her baby. And uh, so it's so important to realize that attachment is dyadic and the infant must be able to read the mother's cues and respond to them. And if he's been prenatally exposed, then that doesn't work as well. So that's what I mean by prenatal trauma as well as postnatal trauma. And it all comes together and it would be extremely difficult to look at any infant in isolation, just looking at the AFA, FASD without also thinking about trauma. So that's why Ron and I decided to write this book together. Not only did 
you, Dr. Chesnoff, you know, did such a wonderful job in explaining the FASD, the polysubstance exposure and all of the science and not just the science, but the strategies along with that. But Dr. Powell really went into the science of trauma and how trauma affects the brain and how important it is. I, I feel like that in just about every month, he just would say something that would just really solidify that connection of you have FASD or polysubstance exposure, you know, a child, you have that lived trauma. You know, even if you adopted a child from birth, it's that there's biology behind that attachment that's not happening. And you can do as much as you can, but you need to recognize that biology. And I think both you and Dr. Powell just did such a wonderful job in helping parents and caregivers and educators explain that, that marriage between the alcohol exposure, the, the prenatal alcohol exposure, or the poly substance exposure with that lived trauma. It was just amazing to get that, <laughs> having been a parent, being a parent of, of a now young adult son, I do remember having some, you know, specialists when we were first trying to seek a diagnosis, having been dismissed saying, oh, well, you adopted him when he was two and a half weeks old. So he, he doesn't have attachment issues. You know, of course, back then I didn't know what I knew now, but it's surprising to hear that professionals are still saying that today, you know, yeah. in 2021. I do remember Dr. Powell saying, I can't remember which session it was, but the younger the trauma experienced, the more impact that has, I believe it was an age range. I believe it was between an age range of preschoolish, maybe a little younger years that when the trauma happens, it lasts longer than after a certain age. Yeah, uh, in general, I don't remember exactly what he said, but right. in general, in the zero to three. Yes. Yeah, you know, when we talk about infant mental health, people laugh at us, but you know, infant mental health is key to understanding these babies and providing them the earliest interventions possible. Yes. So that again, I took that away from these conversations because, you know, you go into it thinking, okay, we're going to learn about FASD and, and, and early childhood trauma and everything we did, but it was so much more. And I'm so thankful that you and Dr. Powell just went into these in-depth discussions about how closely related trauma is to, you know, FASD and, and polysubstance prenatal exposure. We are airing this episode in the beginning of the school year for many folks. We talk about, and I've, I've shared and we have on our website that Guided Growth is, a, is such a wonderful resource for parents and educators, anyone working with children. In your opinion, Dr. Chesnoff, how can Guided Growth be a resource for those parents, teens, even young adults um, having that have FASD or early childhood trauma, um, especially when they're working with schools and they're working with teachers and administrators. Yeah, it's, uh, you've heard me say this when I talk about early child development, it's all about relationships. Well, the families work with the school, with the teacher, it's all about the relationship. In fact, the final chapter of our book uh, is called The Homeschool Bridge. And our uh, behavior management software causing consequence often serves as that bridge so that both the parents and the family 
are using the same behavioral interventions for the same behaviors. So the child's not getting confused by his teacher responding one way and the school responding another way. So I think what guided growth can do is if parents read it and then can use the information to present to the teacher and even ask the teacher to uh, read a particular chapter that's especially pertinent to their child. Uh, and I've already been told that the most frequently shared chapter is the one on the brain changes in FASD. <laughs> because once, once professionals, once teachers understand those kinds of things, they move away from blaming the child and understanding that, uh, that this is not willful behavior. So, so I think it's chock, the book is chock full of very specific kinds of things families can, can bring to the school and the school can utilize and feed back to the family what's working and not working. So we like to see those kind of partnerships between the school and the family. That's wonderful. And hopefully, again, we're airing this episode in the beginning of the school year. Parents, you know, anyone who's listening can take guided growth. I mean, I can even see taking it with you into an IEP meeting or to a 504 meeting yeah. and, and using examples, you know, and strategies that you and Dr. Powell have, have discussed literally in those meetings to say, okay, these are examples of, of what we're talking about in, in this domain or in this domain. Yeah. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So guided growth is going into second printing. That's fantastic. I know it's being offered in more places as well. In addition, of course, is NTI upstream. Let's talk about what else is happening. And we were talking before recording some new uh, exciting news coming down the pike. Uh, let's share with our audience some previews of things to come. Okay. Interestingly, as far as trainings and for both professionals and uh, families, um, they're starting to go live again. So a lot of my bookings for speaking uh, in 2022 are actually going to be live. Uh, and uh, we'll, we're, we're hitting a lot of various different parts of the country. And if any of your listeners are from Canada, we do have some things uh, coming up in Canada also. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we got guided growth out there. Now we're working on our new book. And this one is the preliminary title is FASD, The Teen Years, because the thing that's missing out there is information about adolescence. Uh, we did our, I would imagine many of you have seen our film Moment to Moment. Uh, it's a film by four uh, young people, uh, 16 to 22 years old. It's all about the transitioning into adulthood uh, they all, they, the four of them fall across the full spectrum of FASDs. They all were adopted early in life. So, and this is the story of their, these are their stories and where they are now. So, um, so our, our next focus is, is going to be uh, on adolescence and that book actually is underway now. And uh, we hope to have it out by fall of 2022. And talk about a need that that book will be filling. My goodness, because <laughs> I can say that quite a few of the emails we receive and the messages we receive are uh, from parents whose 
teens are, are, you know, they're starting to enter those teen years. And, and often what we read and, and find that's out there is anecdotal or, or stories versus, okay, here's actual, you know, evidence-based, you know, strategies, practices, things that parents can really say, aha, okay, here's, here's some tools that we can use during the teen years. So I am so excited to hear that. And we will definitely have Dr. Chasnoff back on in 2022 when that book is released. That will be wonderful. I'm Um, sorry. I'm going to, I just thought about this. One of the aspects I'm working on right now is getting involvement uh, in some of the young people I've worked with over the years. Uh, the oldest children that I have followed are now in their 40s. So they're not no longer children, obviously. And I have some real success stories. And I want to include those success stories. Uh, now, it depends on how you define success, of course, and everything, but we'll be very realistic. But at the same time, there, there are some, some happy circumstances that have emerged. And I share, I like to say that just like FASD, success is a spectrum too. It looks different for everybody. Right. You know, I really like to embrace that. You know, for, for one family, it looks much different than another family. So that's wonderful. That gives me hope because to hear the success stories, especially of those adults that live with FASD, that as a parent, that that gives me hope. So I'm so glad you're going to be including that in in this book. So before we end on our hope takeaway, um, what are just very quickly, what are some aha moments or important strategies from the book that you want parents, teachers, caregivers to embrace before we end this conversation? I would say one of the first things is to take care of yourself. The one section of the book that will be coming out next year is all about secondary trauma. Secondary trauma to professionals and secondary trauma for parents. Uh, And I see so, so many families that have gotten so wrapped up in the difficulties is uh, that, that I think we have to recognize that my first piece of advice is take care of yourself. Uh, secondly, I've used the word blame a lot during this discussion, but I really am hoping that after reading Guided Growth, that families move, can really move away from blaming their child or blaming themselves or blaming the birth mother. You know, it. Basically, this this is the issue we have in front of us, and now we're going to move forward. Uh, the third thing I think the book club has especially helped, and I got a lot of messages from people about this, uh, is that they realize they're not alone. So many families are completely isolated because of the tough work of caring for their child. Another issue is go slow. Don't expect change to happen overnight. Be patient. If you do start using any of the strategies we talk about in the book, realize that you're you're looking over the long term, uh, and you know could be months before you see real change. But but it does happen, and you know the research tells us that. Uh, 
so I think those are some of the key things I want families to remember. You know, there are specific strategies, but more than that, it's really important how we look at ourselves, we look at our children, and how we look at our lives, you know? Wonderful. Wonderful aha moments, wonderful things to take away. Um, and before we end our episode, I want to share again that guided growth is available through NTI Upstream. We will be in our program notes adding the link for NTI Upstream as well as the social media handles for on Instagram and on Facebook for NTI Upstream. And if you need to get in touch with Dr. Chasnoff or with Gabe Chasnoff, the um, contact information that that email at NTI Upstream. So you know, Dr. Chasnoff, I'm again. Thank you so much for coming back on FASD Hope. Your book club has, the book is wonderful. It's such a resource. And I'm showing you that my copy has about a gazillion (laughs) post-it notes. A lot of people show me that. They'll come up to me and ask me if I'll find your book and it's got all these post-it notes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I I do. I probably have at least 50 post-its in it easily, you know, and then my, when my husband goes to read it, he'll have to go through the post-it notes. (laughs) So again, I, it's just such a, a valuable resource and I'm so thankful that you and Dr. Powell put together guided growth and, and, put together the wonderful book club that I was able to participate in that will be accessible to uh, to the listeners, hopefully in the fall. So let's end on this. I think this episode has been a, a hope takeaway because there have been many nuggets that you've shared with us that give our audience members hope. So let's end this episode, Dr. Chasnoff, on a hope takeaway. What words of hope can you give to our listeners who are either going through hard times or they're in hard places, or just need some words of hope and encouragement during this journey? You know, I have a lot of families that come to me that say, we always thought with enough love and enough church, everything would be fine. But I would say love and church certainly are key elements, but add hard work to it. And you will see change over time. Uh, We know that when you take a lot of the kinds of interventions we've talked about uh, and that we talk about in the book, you really will make a difference. And it's gonna vary. And I really like uh, what you mentioned that success is a spectrum. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you, can, you can find your place on that spectrum. Find, find the strengths, look at your child and recognize the strengths. You know, don't just focus on the difficulties keep at it. Uh, Just realize you're not alone. Uh, Reach out to groups like FASD Hope. uh, And uh, there are people out there to walk walk, uh, this with you. Dr. Ira Chasnoff, I look forward to having you back on in in 2022. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you again for coming on our show. Of course. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.